Good morning. My name is Derek, one of the teaching pastors here. If you're new here, welcome. Uh, great to have you this morning. Uh, to the person on your right, tell them what one dish, Thanksgiving dish, you're looking for the most. To the, tell them right now. The person on your right, right now, good job. Uh, one thing, one thing, not a bunch of things. Um, and then to the person on your left, the person on your left, tell them what is your favorite Christmas song. Okay, go ahead, Christmas song to the person on your other side. Yeah, I know. All right, now I'm going to try to rein us back in here. Okay, let's come back in here. You got to be careful what you do as a speaker. Okay, rein it back in here. Woo! So, so today we're kind of in that weird season, right? I went to Bass Pro Shop like a week ago, and Santa Claus is already in Bass Pro Shop, just in case. I mean, it's just crazy. And we're not even to Thanksgiving, right? So we're in this kind of tension today. Man, I'm, I'm thinking about Thanksgiving next week, but I'm already told by all the marketing campaigns and all the Black Friday ads that Christmas is here. And so we're in this weird season. And so today... We're going to continue in James, but let me remind you that next week we're starting our Advent. The, the, the four weeks leading up into Christmas's Advent, and we're actually doing that this year. It's a great opportunity if you've been wanting to invite somebody that they don't have to come in the mid-series, uh, that all of these series uh, sermons are going to be standalone, so they can come in, invite your neighbor, invite your friend that's been wanting to come, and, and join us as we build our expectation towards Christmas. Uh, well, today, I've already been greeted by a few of you asking if I was going to be preaching on humility. Um, uh, for you that are new, I, I played football at Ohio State, and a uh, big Buckeye fan, and if you didn't watch, uh, they lost yesterday to the chagrin of many. So I am manning up. I, I put it out, and so I'm going to take it today. And so there will be a repentance party after this for you that were that you had some satisfaction that Derek's team lost. There'll be some repentance in the house today, uh, but it is true. I'm not going to be speaking on humility as much as I feel that I should have wore black and sackcloth and ashes today, uh, but I wasn't going to pull off Johnny Cash. Don't have that look. Uh, so today we're actually going to look at faith. Faith. And James in chapter 2, if you have a Bible, go ahead and turn there. James chapter 2, we're going to finish out 2, and then we're going to take a break for Advent, and then we're going to jump back into James when we come back. But we're talking about faith today. Now, when I was a little kid, uh, I grew up in Ohio, the, the great Ohio, right, the Buckeye State. Uh, I grew up there, and it's cold in Ohio. Like, you guys get, got like, Carhartts out today. Like, this is not Carhartt weather in Ohio. This is like uh, windbreaker weather in Ohio. Uh, Carhartts come out when we have zero below zero. But I grew up there, and so... We did not have access to a lot of pools. We had a city pool that was open like a month or two out of the year, uh, maybe three on a good year. Uh, and so uh, my only access to swimming was when we would go on a summer vacation and I would swim a little bit. And so my parents, you know, they're wise, they're trying to be ahead. And so they sent me to um, swimming lessons. It was really early in the morning. Now, it's really polar bear kind of lessons. Is like how do you swim in ice-cold water? That's what you do in Ohio when you're learning how to swim. And so I went, and there was a huge group of kids, all ages, and they asked this question to kind of divide the, 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 the kids up. They said, okay, who of you can swim? Now, now you've got to realize, I was a very a shy boy. I don't think I looked up off the ground until I was like 11 years old. Um, I, seriously, I hated public speaking. The fact that I'm doing this today is by the grace of God. I hated public speaking until I was about 25, 26 years old. Um, and, uh, and so, um, I, but I was confident in my physical abilities. So I played sports, I was bigger than most kids, and so I was confident in that. And so they said, who can swim? And so me, being confident, I said, okay, I can swim. And so they take us from this part of the pool, and they walk everybody down to this other part of the pool. 
And they said, okay, Derek, it's your turn to jump in. And so, you know, I'm a young kid, little kid. And so I just jump in because I can swim, right? Because I've been at the hotel pool like three times and I can swim. And so I jump in and the first time in my life, I can't touch the bottom of the pool. And so immediately my doggy paddling skills go out the door. And I begin to like jump around and flash around. And they kind of pull me to the side and get me safe. And they said, Derek, what are you doing? We asked if you could swim. And I said, I I thought I could swim. I had faith in my swimming. But my faith in my swimming almost caused my premature death. (laughs) And so as we talk about faith today, we're going to see that there is a faith that is worthwhile. But James is going to show us there is also a faith that we've got to be careful of. Because there's a faith that is completely useless in the sight of God. And so if you have your Bible, we're going to read a big section of Scripture today, uh, starting in verse 14 and all the way through the end. And so read with me if you have. If you have a phone and you don't have a Bible, you can open up an app and you can read along with us. Um, Starting in verse 14. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food and one says to them, go in peace and be warmed and filled without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one. You do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. Now that is a statement right there. Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see that faith was active along with his works. And faith was completed by his works. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God. It was counted to him as righteousness. And he was called a friend of God. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. In the same way, was not Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way? For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. Now, we have a lot of work to get through in this passage. I mean, this is a ton. Uh, but, but the kind of the themes that we're going to focus on today is, is faith works and being justified. And so we I just really want to walk through this and just give some clarity because this passage can sometimes be skewed and twisted and maybe like we're like we think man James maybe is not aligned with Paul because Paul says some other things and so we want to bring some clarity and so by the grace of God today we're going to see truth and we're going to receive his truth uh, by his holy spirit. And so the first thing that I want us to look at is faith. Now he says uh, that faith can that faith save him? Now, now, if we take back, he's saying that he's talking about what was just said. He's saying uh, faith without works. Can that kind of faith save a person? Can, can a dead faith save a person? So what this signifies is there is more than one kind of faith. That there is a faith that is live and is active, but there's also a faith that can be dead and inactive. There, there's two things here. And so he points to, listen, this is an example of what it looks like to have faith that is active. And he gives the example of if you see a brother with a need for clothes and food, if you don't give clothes or food to that and actually meet his needs, your faith is dead. It's inactive and it has zero value. In verse 20, uh, I think it is verse 20, 
21, it says, um, no, verse 20, it says, you foolish person, your faith apart from works is useless. And so we see here that James is setting up that there is a faith that is apart from works. But that faith that is apart from works, it is useless, worthless to God. And not only is it worthless, um, it... um, Wait, lose my list here. It is, it is worthless because it is faith without works, and faith without works is dead faith or inactive faith. And now, we know something about dead faith or inactive faith. Hebrews 11 says that it is impossible to please God apart from faith. And so when I have a faith that is inactive, literally a dead faith, we're in trouble because it is impossible for me then to please God. It's inactive. It's worthless. And with that kind of faith, it's impossible. For me to please God. And so now I want to take a few steps back and say, what is faith? You know, I obviously had faith in my swimming abilities. Uh, I had faith in my Buckeyes until last night. Uh, Michigan State guy back there. Uh, I have faith in you name it. But today what I want us to gather around is, is the statement that we have and make is that I have faith in God. And so we've got to kind of step back. What is faith? What is faith? Now, the Scripture is going to tell us, and we're going to be all over the Scriptures today. You don't have to turn there. Uh, you can jot them down and go back. But Hebrews 11.1 1 says this, Faith is being sure of what is hoped for, certain of what we cannot see. This is the definition that the Scriptures give us about faith. And so faith is trusting in something unseen but that I hope for. It's, it's forward-looking. It's future tense. It's not that I have it now because if I had it in my hands, it wouldn't require me to have faith that it's going to get here. It's, it's faith in what is unseen. It's faith what is in the future. It doesn't exist yet. So that's what faith is. And where does it come from? Well, Romans ten seventeen says that faith comes from hearing and hearing from the words of Christ. So faith comes by hearing God. Now, this word, uh, word here is the word rhema. Rhema is not just the, the, the written word of God, but rhema is the spoken word of God. And so faith comes when you hear somebody proclaim the word of God. But can also come when God brings revelation to you. You see, faith, faith, faith always comes from God. And so if you're sitting there today and you say, man, I just don't have a lot of faith The answer is not for you to go produce faith. The answer is for you today to go ask God for more faith. Because Romans also says that all of us, every single person in this room, has been given a measure of faith. So when you show up to your workplace, there is faith there because you're there. And because God is in you, there is faith there. And so faith comes from God. It comes from me hearing God. And so I kind of put this equation together. Some of you will appreciate that and some of you won't. But faith is equal to awareness plus trust or, or belief, whatever word you want to use there. You could use either one. So, so faith equals awareness plus trust. And so this awareness is this awareness of God. What is he speaking? What is he leading? Now, we can see this in the scriptures for sure. The gospel is an, a great awareness of God, but, but we don't limit God speaking and leading just to the scriptures. Because that wouldn't align with most of the text in the scriptures, right? The first century church didn't have the New Testament. 
Many centuries after that, they didn't. There's places in the world that don't have this. And so we've got to say, man, awareness begins with hearing God, recognizing God in our life. And we don't just say in the scriptures, although for sure it is, but it's in God's promises. It's in us hearing, in us seeing. It could be in visions, dreams, any means that God wants to speak to you or to bring revelation to you. That is what I'm talking about when I say awareness. And that is essential for faith. There has to be and awareness, and once we are aware of what God is speaking, what he's revealing, then comes the next part, which is then I've got to figure out, do I trust? Do I trust what is spoken? Do I trust what God makes known to me? Now, that is a good question. Do I trust what God makes known to me? Now, if you're a believer, you have made known, God has made known the cross and his resurrection and the forgiveness of sins through faith. No question. If you're a believer that you know that the Holy Spirit is received by faith, the Holy Spirit received by faith, that God is our provider, that he is our protection, that his plan. So those are kind of the general things that God has revealed through his word and through preaching and through evangelism. Those are the things God has preached. But in addition to those things, I believe that God gives each person very, very specific things that he's calling them to. And so we say... Do I trust God for what he speaks to me that are specific to me? If God says, hey, go do this, I'm aware of him telling me that, then what happens is faith is when I actually trust him. Either I'm going to trust him or I'm not going to trust him. If I don't trust him, my faith is in God. It's in something else, likely a circumstance or even a lie from Satan. And so faith equals awareness of God speaking whatever and by whatever means he needs to, plus a trust or belief in him. That's what faith is. And so uh, as an example, like salvation, is I, I'm, I'm made aware that God is the way to forgiveness, that he is the way for liberty from sin and death, that he is the only way. When I'm made aware of that, I've got to make a decision. Am I going to trust God or am I not going to? And the fruit of that trust and awareness will lead to faith. And faith then justifies me because it's by faith you are forgiven. It's by faith that you become a son or daughter of the king. And this is what we lead to next is faith justifies. Faith justifies. And this word justified is a term that we've come up with to try to get our hands around uh, what is happening. But, But to be justified means that I am made right, that I am proved right before God, that I am in right standing, that because I'm justified, I can now enter into be in relationship with God. That's what it means to be justified. I'm made right. I want to read some scriptures over you this morning, and I'm not going to give you much commentary uh, because I think they stand on their own, but these are just a a handful of scriptures in the the scripture um, that talk about justification. So let me just read a few to you. Romans 3.28. For we hold that one is justified by faith apart from works of the law. Romans eleven six, But if it is by grace, it is no longer on the basis of works. Otherwise, grace would no longer be grace. Galatians 2, 16. Yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through the faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Jesus Christ. In order to be justified by faith... In Christ and not by works of the law, because by works of the law, no one is justified. 
Galatians 3.2. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by faith? Ephesians 2.8-9, which many of you know this. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is a gift of God, not a result of works so that no one may boast. This last one, Titus 3, 4 through 6. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us. Not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy by the washing of regeneration and the renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior. Amen? Like, just let those soak over you, the, the truth of the scriptures, the truth of who God is. It, clearly, the scriptures make it known that it is you are justified by faith. You are righteous by faith. It is nothing else. It's not faith plus anything else. It's Jesus, faith in him plus nothing else equals righteousness. So, so as we get into the rest of James, just, just hear me. Faith stands alone for salvation. That's why we sing the song, it's nothing but the blood of Jesus. It's my faith in Jesus that makes me righteous. And this is what James even says. Look, look if you're still in James, go to verse, uh, let's see, 23. So James is, is going to say this. Now, he uses the same Old Test- Testament out of Joshua uh, verse that Paul uses in Romans chapter 4. We're not going to go there. We don't have time today. But this is James chapter 2, verse 23. And he says, the scriptures were fulfilled that said Abraham believed God. And because he believed, it was counted to him as righteousness. And he was called a friend of God. And so James, in the midst of him talking about these uh, faith and works, he says clearly that Abraham was justified. He was made right with God because of his faith, his belief in God. Not because of what he did, okay? Really important. But then we say, man, James talks a lot about works, though, Derek. Like, what do I do with those? And so now I I want us to take a look at works. Because James does spend a lot of time in this section uh, speaking about works. So here's my definition, if you're taking notes, for works. They are external expressions derived from faith. External expressions derived from faith. You could also say it's obedience to what I believe. Faith justifies and our works are proof of our faith. So that's where we're going here today. And so when you look at Abraham and Rahab in verse 21, it says that they were justified not only by faith, but by works. And you got to say, man, Derek, I thought you just said it was uh, justification by faith alone. And then James says it's by faith and works. And so are we confused here, Derek? Like, is James contradicting Paul? And I would say no, although you could take it that way. And some have taken that way and run with it and put whole college courses together based on that. But we've got to look at the context and what is James writing. Because this word that is used for justified, it's got multiple meanings. And so the first meaning, according to Strong's dictionary, is uh, to render or to declare righteous. So that is the first one. And so that's when God says, you are righteous. That's what happened to Abraham, his, his faith. You are righteous. But the second meaning of justified is this, to show or exhibit one to be righteous. You see, see the difference there? 
One says, you are righteous, you are righteous. The other one says, hey, by your external acts, you have been shown to be righteous. There's a big difference there. And so when Abraham heard, he was aware of God saying, hey, take your son, Isaac, and go up on the mountain and sacrifice him. He was aware, and in that moment, he was going to say, do I trust God or do I trust what my circumstances look like? And in that moment, he was justified by faith because he said, I trust God. And so out of that faith came action and expression, external expression. And when he took Isaac by faith up the mountain to be sacrificed, what he was doing, he was justified because he was proving his faith. You see, James is not confused here. He says, listen, you are justified by faith in the sight of God, but your works, they prove your justifying faith. We, we all with me here today? Yeah? We're good? Okay, some of you are. Okay, hang with me a little longer. So James clearly says that faith apart from works is dead. It's inactive. And in these examples, we see faith. So in Rahab, the prostitute, and Abraham, we see faith leading to works. That the proof of their faith was their works. And so we then have to take a step back and say, what was Jesus, right? Uh, we're so Christ-centric here. We say we're a church about Jesus. Then if we're asking and thinking about works and faith, we've got to look at Jesus. What was his stance on works? Let me just tell you one verse in John 21, verse 25. It says, uh, as John is concluding his gospel letter, he says, now there are also many other things that Jesus did were every one of them to be written. I suppose that the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. Jesus did a lot of works, okay? Everybody agree with that? We can at least get a head shake on that. Jesus did a lot of works, right? Amen? Amen. Yes, almost Thanksgiving. Let's go. Come on, come on. And so I want you to turn here, if you have a Bible, John chapter 8. John chapter 8. We're going to learn a little bit about Jesus and his works, and then how that applies to us. John chapter 8, we're going to be in John in a little while, so go ahead and turn there. I'm going to pick up in verse 25. <clears throat> so they said to Jesus, who are you? Okay, so they're questioning Jesus. They're trying to understand things. And Jesus said to them, uh, just what I have been telling you from the beginning. I have much to say about you and much to judge, but he who sent me is true, and I declare to the world what I have heard from him. And so he's speaking of the Father, but they didn't get it, okay? He's trying to explain to them, where's it coming from? In verse 27, it says, they did not understand that he was speaking to them about the Father. So then Jesus says to them, he clarifies, when you have lifted me up the son of man, speaking of himself, then you will know that I am he and that I do nothing on my own authority, but speak just as the father taught me. And he who sent me is with me. He has not left me. Now listen, I always do the things that are pleasing to him, to the father. And so I just want to look at this last part. I always do the things. Now, now, now when he says I always do the things, that's works. I do the works that please the Father. So we've got to remember what pleases the Father. Faith. And so Jesus is telling us here really clearly that he had an awareness of the Father. What was the Father speaking? He says, I only do what the Father is doing. I only say what the Father is saying. Jesus had amazing awareness of the Father and what the Father was asking him to do. So he had this awareness, and because he trusted the Father... He had faith, and that faith led to works. He did many things, many things 
to glorify the Father. Awareness and trust that leads to faith. And in Jesus' case, we see that faith then leads to doing good works. And so we say, man, what's that have to do with me, Derek? I, I, I get it. Jesus did a lot of good works. But here's the question. If I'm a Jesus follower and I consider myself a disciple and I look to Jesus for my salvation, but I also look to him as my example, shouldn't my works also, shouldn't my, my faith also lead to good works? I, I think we're going to see this in John chapter 4. So go ahead and flip a few pages to the right. John chapter 4. We'll get there in one second. So we see Jesus did a lot of works, but then I've got to reflect to what does that mean to me? What does that mean with me? Let me, let me give you another verse before we get there. You don't have to turn there. Ephesians 2, 8 through 10, we read part of that earlier. For grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not on your own doing. It is a gift of God, not a result of works so that no one may boast. Okay, so here's the next verse, though, that oftentimes we kind of drop off. For you, for we are his workmanship. And so just everybody look, look up at me real quick. Listen, if you're in this room, if you are breathing, you are God's workmanship. I don't care where your self-esteem is today. I don't care how bad you've messed up in your life. I don't care how far you've ran away from God. I don't care how hard you've made it on your parents and your family. I don't care. Listen, you are the workmanship of God. You were created in his image. That means the image of God, a part of that is imprinted on your life. That should be something to be joyful about today. No matter how low you feel today, listen, you are his workmanship. God didn't mess up and, and, and send you down a different manufacturing line that said, no, this is not my workmanship. No, God said every person is knit together in, my, in, my, in the mother's womb. And they are my workmanship. They are created by me. And they have the image of me in them. That's why he created us. And then it goes on to say, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. Which God prepared beforehand and we should walk in them. God created you. He loves how he created you. Somebody needs to hear that today. He, he loves you. He loves how he created you. And he's created you then to take what he has given you, the awareness, and then for you to walk that out in good works. Saved by faith to do good works. That's what we're seeing here in James today. So if you're in John chapter 14, we're going to see Jesus speak into this a little bit. John chapter 14, uh, starting in verse 10. John 14, verse 10. Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves. So Jesus, who is one with the Father, he is God himself, God made man. He is walking on this earth. He is completely connected with the Father. There is no static in the frequency between him and the Father, right? He always is looking to the Father. If the Father says to do it, he does it. If the Father says to say this, he does it. That's where we're going, right? That's the hope, the sanctification of us, that we're going to be so in tune with God that we just do what he says, Right? That, that's, that's, that's the hope, at least, that James is getting to. And so we see here that Jesus says, if you don't believe by my words, believe by my works. 
because my works will prove my relationship with my Father, that I am one. So we see that Jesus speaks highly of works, his own works. They are proof of his relationship with the Father. Now, keep on going because this is where it gets exciting, at least for me. And I apologize if you don't get excited. We'll check your blood pressure later if you have a pulse. Verse 12, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me, if you believe in him, this is for you, will also do the works that I do. And greater works than these will he do because I am going to the Father. Now, this is like an amen, slap your hand. This is amazing. Jesus says, if you believe in me, you will do my works. And not only the works that I've done, you will actually do greater. Boom. Mind blown. Do you believe this? Because many of us are walking around and we're timid. We're oh, so beat up. The world, everything's caving around. And we're not believing what Jesus himself, our Savior, has told us. Do you believe that Jesus said that those that believe in me will do the works that I am doing and even greater? Man, let that soak in. If you're struggling with that, just get this week and just let this, the Lord work some truth out in this text this week and meditate upon this and ask him to speak this. This is amazing, great news. And he says the reason we're going to be able to do this is because he's going to the Father. But now we find out a few verses later in 16, what's the big deal about Jesus going to the Father? Verse 16, he says, I go to the Father and I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper with a capital H. That's the Holy Spirit, God himself, to be with you forever. There is no dispensation here. Some of your theology is going to get messed up. It says he will be with you forever. Holy Spirit, forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. Now if you ask how am I going to do the works of Jesus, i got to say how did Jesus do the works? He did the works that he did because he was so connected to the Father. He was one with the Father. And he says, you're going to do the same thing, not because you're going to be amazing, that you're just going to go do it. No, it's because you are going to be just like I and the Father. You're going to be connected to God because he's not just going to be around you. He's going to be in you. And when he's in you, you are now one with God. And because of that, there's going to be an outflow of works in your life that are not just as good as mine. They're greater than mine. Amen? And so we see this in the text that Jesus says, man, works prove my relationship with the Father. If you don't believe my words. And he says, you, you are also going to have works greater than I do, and they're going to prove your relationship with the Spirit who is God. And so we see this in the text that he says that if you are walking with the Lord, if you are abiding in him, his Spirit lives in you, and the fruit of the Spirit is going to be good works. And so then we say, because I know a lot of you are kind of getting in, Derek's getting on the edge, a little fringe here, um, I, I am a little bit because Jesus was sometimes on the fringe. Uh, we got to say, w- what are these works that he's talking about? Uh, we can't just say it's one thing. No, Jesus had all kinds of works. And let me give you kind of my definition once again. It's the expression, external expression derived from belief. But here's the thing. All of Jesus' works, they always revealed the kingdom of God, which also revealed the Father. Jesus was the exact imprint of the Father in every way. We are called to the same works of Jesus. And in doing so, we are to reveal the kingdom of God today, not just in heaven. 
Let his kingdom come today. And so I made a list, real quick list. So everything Jesus did, if you just want to say, what does a work look like? Go look at the life of Jesus. So I've summarized some of the things that Jesus, this is not all inclusive, but this is kind of high level. So, so first thing, the, the kind of controversial one sometimes, Jesus did miracles, signs, and wonders. I believe that we should be a people filled up with the Holy Spirit that walks in miracles, signs, and wonders. Now, now listen, Bayou City Fellowship believes that the Holy Spirit did not have a season of doing one thing and is now somehow different. That's not what we believe. We can have a conversation afterwards, but that's not what we believe. Now, we don't believe that God does signs, miracles, and wonders for our benefit of pride and entertainment. We're not here to abuse the Holy Spirit, but he says this is what he does. He empowers his people. And the reason why we believe it is because we want people to come to know Jesus. When Jesus was walking around, he did signs and wonders, not for entertainment, not for building up crowds. He did it to point to the Father. This is what the kingdom looks like. And so we believe that Jesus and the Spirit still enable us to walk in miracles, signs, and wonders. The other thing is teaching and preaching. One of the works that Jesus did was he taught about what the kingdom looks like. So not only did he demonstrate this is what the kingdom looks like, but he also said, hey, this is some teaching on the kingdom. Both point to the Father. Both reveal the kingdom. The third thing that I see in Jesus is that he, his works were about reconciliation. He was always reconciling. And so in our life, if you have some family disputes as a believer of Jesus, as somebody who is filled up with the spirit of unity, you should be seeking reconciliation, knowing that it doesn't always happen that way. But we should be a people that are known by our reconciliation, that my track record, the path behind me, is a path of unity among believers and not disunity among believers. The next thing is that we should meet the physical and spiritual needs of the needy. James points this out, right, his example of what works look like. He said faith without works. He said if, if you see somebody in need and you don't do anything about that, your faith is worthless. It's useless to that person. And so a work that we see Jesus do time and time again is he met the physical and spiritual needs of the needy. He spoke truth and identity over others. And we, we sometimes miss out on this. This is one of the works that Jesus did. He would take somebody who was completely broken and had their identity flipped upside down, and he would say, hey, look at me daughter. Identity. Truth. Hey, you're not who you think you are. You're not what the world says you are. This is who God made you to be. That is a work of God because that reveals the truth of the kingdom. It's literally the kingdom crashing into this world. And as the kingdom crashes into the world, it lifts up Jesus. The works in our life have to reveal the kingdom. Because they have to reveal the Father, the King of the kingdom. So it's any expression that reveals the Father, this is the work that we're talking about. Now today, uh, knowing you are somewhat like me, it would be really easy for us to leave here today and to go pursue the external fruit of what I'm talking about. It would be really easy for us to leave here, some young people, to you to go and say, okay, I'm going to do this, this, and this. Derek gave me a list. I'm going to go do it. I didn't give you a list. I said this is an example. The heart of the matter, if we're going to manifest the kingdom of God, is we've got to get back to the basics. The basic is an awareness of God, an obedience through trust of what he said. 
And so today is not, hey, rally the troops, go do a bunch of good things. Today I'm going to challenge you in this busy season to pull back the reins a little bit. To get your eyes off of your circumstance, to get your eyes off of your checklist of I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. The naughty and nice list we send to God sometimes, hey, I'm good, I'm good. And to say, what is God speaking to you right now? What is he drawing you to? Because he's not drawing you to everything. He's not drawing everybody to orphan care, to refugee care, to elderly care. He's not asking you to be everything to everyone. God says, turn an ear to me. Get your eyes on me. I'm going to make you aware of what I want you to do. Are you going to have enough faith, trust, to follow of what I've asked you to do? That's the challenge today. And listen, I've had so many examples in my life of both. Where, where I hear clearly God say, hey, go do this thing. And I chicken out because my faith in that moment, it was inactive. It was dead. But I've also had times where God says, hey, go do something. And, and I trusted God. And my faith then proceeded with obedience. And I got to see the kingdom break in. When, um, I'll give you one example. Not to lift myself up, but just to kind of give some context. Uh, if you want to hear some amazing stories, ask Robert here. He's an amazing story guy of how God has spoken to him and how he's been obedient. And I know he's been many times where we haven't been that, right, Robert? But, but if you want to hear something, man, he's got some amazing stories. I'm sorry, I'm going to have you, like, I'm, I'm calling him out right here. It's a good thing. Um, but when I was, uh, before I was ever pastor and I was in Ohio, we were in a worship service like this. And uh, the, the room was kind of dark and we were worshiping. And, um, and there was a guy I recognized, this kind of redhead, short hair, um, tall, l- l- lanky guy. He was up here to my left. And I really felt or heard the Lord, Lord in me, and I can't explain that. And so I know some of you are like A to B people. Like you want to know, like, what was that? Like, I don't know exactly, but I just felt clear that the God said, go pray for him. And so in that moment, I was aware, but my faith was going to be tested. Was I going to trust what God had made known to me? And so in that moment, I'm like, God, like, if you don't mind, I'm worshiping you. Like, I don't want to go pray for this guy. And, and no, it was, again, go pray for this guy. And so I began to pray for this guy uh, from a distance. I said, okay, God, okay, I'm going to pray for this guy. Lord, just love on this guy. You know, that's token prayers, you know. Um, and it was really clear, no, Derek, I want you to go pray for this guy. And I said, God, we're in worship right now. This is not in prayer ministry time. And so I began to pray hard, man, pass any demons out in his life, like let the blood of Jesus, like, and I'm, you know, I'm doing this kind of thing, like, Lord, let's, I'm in my zone. And, and, and this, this feeling came over me that I was going to explode if I didn't go pray for him. And so finally I said, all right, God, I don't really don't want to explode right here. And so uh, I'll do it. And so I walked up as awkwardly as possible in the middle of worship. Everybody's standing, praising God. He's in the front row, mind you. And I just say, hey, bro, uh, I know I don't know you, but can we pray? And I lay my hands on him, and I began to pray with him. Uh, And I closed my eyes, which, you know, could be a good or bad thing. And um, I closed my eyes, and I'm just praying. And then I kind of got to a point where I'm like, hey, maybe I should ask this guy what he needs prayer for. That would be a good thing sometimes. And so I open my eyes, and what I see is a puddle of tears on the ground. They're not my tears. They're his tears. And he says, you have no idea how much I needed somebody to pray for me today. Because um, my girlfriend and I were in this big battle over my child that I have through her, and I'm fearful today that I'm never going to see my son again. And I just needed to know that God was with me. And so I began to pray with him again. 
You see, in, in this moment, it's an example. It's not a go do this, go do that. God said, made aware, so I was accountable at that point. God said, hey, go minister the kingdom to this man. Was I going to trust God to go and have the works that he has called me to do? You see, oftentimes in my life, I've heard God say, hey, go to that person and talk to them. Go start a conversation. Go ask them, even sometimes specific things. Or, or go buy this for this person. Hey, give this person a call. And so many times I've just shut God down. And in doing so, I've missed out on the fruit of what it looks like to hear God and to obey God. And I don't want that for you. I don't want that for me. I want faith that leads to work, an active faith. And so we ask the question today, is your faith active or is it inactive? James would ask, is the kingdom of God being revealed through your works? This is the question I want you to consider this week. Is the kingdom of God being revealed through my works? James asked that question, not Derek. And be honest with your response. Because what James would say is if the kingdom of God is not being revealed in the things that you do and the things that you say in your obedience, then it's likely that your faith is dead, it's dormant, it's inactive. And that kind of faith is useless to God and it's useless to those around you. Because it's not revealing the kingdom. It's not pointing to Jesus. And so if today, in fact, you say, man, my life is not really um, filled with these good works that point to God, then I would have two questions for you and even for you to consider as we sing this last worship song. Are you aware of God communicating with you? Are you aware that God is communicating to you? You see, to be aware of God, I must be attentive and I must be near to God to be aware. That's what it talks about abiding. I do nothing apart from Jesus. I am connected to the vine. I am just the branch. I only get it from the vine. I must abide. I must be connected to Jesus. That means I'm actually with Jesus. Not just in thought, not just in intellect. I actually spend time with him. So, so here's the things we always talk about and sometimes we give lip service to. But I'm telling you, if you want to know God, if you want to hear God, if you're saying, man, I haven't heard God for a long time. Here's some just practical ways that we see consistently throughout scripture and in our own lives, what that looks like. So am I making space in my life to pull away and to listen to God? During this busy season, it may be good for you to just sit apart an hour and pull back and say, God, how can I minister the kingdom when I'm with the family that I don't see very often? Great way to run into Thanksgiving. Am I making time to pull away and listen? Am I even asking God what to do in a specific situation? Sometimes I just go through and I'm making these situations and I feel like God kind of God's in tune because God's with me. But am I actually saying, Jesus, what would you have me do in this situation? It's not rocket science, but I am oftentimes failing that. I just run, 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 get away from the vine. And oftentimes I reap the, the consequences of that. Are, are you praying? Are you studying the word of all? The word that we have that God has made known, are you in this at all? This is not condemnation. This is not you better do this. This is, hey, if you want to hear God, these are some things that we see that we can do to hear God. And so that's the first question. Are you aware that God is speaking to you either if, you're, if you don't have these works? And the second question is, do you trust God for what he has made you aware of? Do you trust God? Now, here's the, the hard part. Listen, all faith comes from God. 
You can't produce it on your own. And so today, if you say, man, God, has, I felt like God told me to do something or he has led me to something. He's revealed something to me and I don't believe him. The, the answer today is for you to confess that to God. Say, God, I don't believe you. I don't trust you enough to do this. Will you give me faith and trust in you so that I can walk by faith and not by sight? So if today you say, man, I'm aware of God, but I'm just not doing anything, I would say, man, ask God. Confess your unbelief and ask him to help you with your belief. It has to come from God. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for this, um, for this word from James. Um, I thank you that uh, you are the giver of faith and that you say, come and ask. Lord, I pray that you would stir our faith even during this busy time this next month. Help me to hear you. Help me to see you. Help me to recognize when you're speaking. And then, Lord, increase my trust and belief in you so that I can follow with works that point to the king. Lord, let this not return void. We believe that your word does not do that. So let it be in your name. Amen.